I have my jacket zipped to the T. I like to play with Linsanity. <laughs> Sup, nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert, and I am joined, as always, by my trusted co-host, the DeAndre Jordan stank face to a good dunk by either him or a teammate, Eric Silver. Eric, how's it going? I think they picked him up just so that he could do reactions. Mm-hmm. I think it's better with his new hair. You are the long second the person braids. to have said that. <laughs> I texted it to my buddy John, who I send all funny basketball things, and he said the exact same thing. His new hair makes us better. I will post a link to both instances of the DeAndre Jordan stank face on the website, the episode description at horsehoops.com. Before we kick things off, we got to prepare. We got to stretch. We got to change our clothes. And for that, we go to the locker room. Zip, zip, zip. Buckle, buckle, buckle. That was the sound of me taking off my track pants. Oh, wait. I have the new Nike shoes that auto lace tighten. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I have to get in my back in the future car and then put them on now. They're real now, though. Frank Nilekina and Jason Tatum wore them in games. Well, it just so happens that Frank Nilekina and Michael J. Fox are playing the exact same amount of basketball right now. He tore his hamstring. Give him a break. I'm not incorrect. (laughs) What do we got in terms of new patrons, my dude? Well, this was a bounty of new patrons. Hello, hello to Alexis Baird, Angel Hernandez, Amara, Phoebe Caradori, Alex Thebo, Stuart Urbach, Avichai Levy, Serenity, Matt Irons, and we have a new producer-level patron, Akano, who joins our ragtag group of lovely producer-level patrons, Teal, Misha Stanton, Brianne Wingate, Burger, Skylar Jorgensen, Gladiator Vader, Adam Hartwick, Ross Papa, and now Akano, you went 88 miles per hour, got the shoes, then went to 2019 and got the same shoes, and it turns out they're exactly the same, which is wonderful. And now you can dunk. Thank you all so much for joining, and speaking of thanks, we have a sponsor for this episode episode, right, my dude? Thank you to our sponsor, Tavor. We've talked about Tavor before. I've been using Tavor over like five years to improve my beer game. Tavor is so simple. You download the app, put in promo code horse when it prompts it, or do the three little bars on the side and go to promos, type in horse. Basically, you just add beers to your cart and you can look for a specific type of beer. Like I really enjoy stouts, so I can just search stout and then put anything that sounds good into my cart. Or you can go to their featured beers if you have no idea what to do. Add them to your cart and then they ship them directly to your door, which is the easiest way to get beer is by not going anywhere. It's wonderful. Tavor sources from all over the country. So you're going to get a lot of different beers that you've never gotten before. And they're all independent, which is super fun. You're actually supporting people who are making good beer Mm -hmm. and are trying new things. If you use that promo code like we talked about, HORSE, you will get $10 of credit after you make your first purchase of $25. And what could be better than beer delivered to your door? Free beer delivered to your door. It's fantastic. Speaking of stouts, I just ordered this collaboration between a brewery and a coffee place in Cincinnati. So it's four different coffee stouts. It's like you're making yourself a flight and you can just buy that and you get all four, but only for like $16. Why would you buy bother going to Cincinnati. They don't have an NBA team. So thank you so much, Tavor. <laughs> now, Good. speaking of cities that do have NBA teams, we are here in Portland getting ready for a live show on Sunday. And Eric, do you know what also happens on Sunday? The day in posting time yesterday? Ooh, what happened on that day? It's the NBA All-Star Game and we got to watch the All-Star Game Draft live. And that's what we're going to be talking in today's Full Court Press. Get it? Like the news? <laughs> 
we were waiting for it for so long and then it finally happened and it was just as salty as I imagined. The true blessing is that TNT hosted it and not ESPN. Yes, because I was going to say that. ESPN did it, it would have been like the decision and it would have been very bad and five hours long. TNT, you have the whole crew of the four dudes just making fun of LeBron and Giannis to their faces. It was amazing. I think that this is also the strength of inside the NBA on TNT is that Shaq and Charles Barkley have such stature around other players. So it was like, if you're getting made fun of by two men who have the goofiest voices in the entire history of basketball, Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of that goes down really smoothly. So they televised the draft and the way that it worked was LeBron went first because he had more votes. Giannis went second, and then they alternated by picking the starters and then the reserves. So here's the breakdown of the picks, and we'll talk about anything that is particularly spicy. LeBron picked Kevin Durant first, which Ernie got him to admit that he did last year, even though LeBron never went on record. Ernie was like, oh, you did that last year too, right? And LeBron said yes, and then Ernie was like, ha-ha, you've never admitted to it before. (laughs) Breaking news, I'm a very good reporter. Very good journalism. Giannis then took Steph Curry. For the sweetest reason ever was that Steph Curry picked Giannis first last year, And now Giannis is like, yeah, I got to pay back my best friend, Steph Curry. I also think that was the smartest selection. That's true. (laughs) That's very true. I think that was clearly just the best person left. But yes, also sweet. All of Giannis's picks are really sweet, which his team, I think, is worse than LeBron's, but it's sweeter. So I want them to win. We're going to come back to Uh the the obvious strategy here, Uh but I'm very excited. In reference to our tinfoil hat situation we talked about in the past, LeBron then took Kyrie Irving, Mm -hmm. which is not necessarily the next best player available, but is the snakiest move. Giannis then took Joel Embiid. LeBron took Kawhi Leonard. Giannis then took Paul George, and he said he's been balling out this season. He also had a huge dunk on me, which is very true. (laughs) What a sweet boy. If anything, this NBA All-Star Draft just proved that Giannis is amazing, and I love him so much, and I want nothing but the best for this man. I think I want a Giannis jersey. I feel like next year, seeing what the NBA releases with it, we were just talking about right. this, what the NBA releases with their new jerseys, mm-hmm. if like the Bucks get a much better one. Right. If it was like, I, I don't even know what happens in Milwaukee, but if it was like hunting, even if it was like <laughs> <A> camo, camo. <laughs> what if it was, I would buy a camo jersey <laughs> that's said Giannis on the back. LeBron then took James Harden and Giannis took Kemba Walker to no one's surprise. We're going into it. Everyone's like, well, last pick of the first round, Kemba Walker, hometown kid. So <laughs> shout out to you, Con <laughs> Kemba Walker. So then we get into round two for the reserves and Giannis in not a smart basketball move, but a smart friendship move picks Chris Middleton, his teammate, which there were many better players left. That's on the fine. Board, but, you know, it's his teammate. I get it. LeBron then took Anthony Davis, and here's the first true spicy event of the evening. Ernie Johnson then asks LeBron, are you sure you want him to be your teammate? Playing to the fact that during all of the trade deadline stuff, there were lots of things trying to get Anthony Davis on the Lakers, and a lot of that was put together by Anthony Davis's and LeBron's agent. They have the same agent. He was trying to orchestrate this whole thing, and it blew up in their faces and didn't work, so Ernie is a brilliant comedic genius for bringing this up and LeBron said something he laughed about it and then said oh you know I'm pretty sure about that I would like for that to happen and then Giannis says isn't that tampering which is very good everybody laughed a bunch and then LeBron said that tampering rules do not apply on all-star weekend I wish it could apply in like any other law just like imagine (laughs) you're just like Mr. Johnson you were just indicted on tax fraud what do you have to say for yourself well uh everyone knows that tax fraud doesn't apply on the 4th of July. It would be very fun, especially if it's occupationally based. Oh, absolutely. Like, if you're a police officer, you just can run every red light that you want on Memorial Day. 
If you're a chef on some national chef day or whatever it is, you can just eat all the food or give people whatever food you want. They don't have to have ordered it. It's like, well, chef rules do not apply on international chef day. You know, mailmen are allowed to open your mail on flag day. <laughs> it's just in the constitution. <laughs> That'd be very fun. So then Giannis took Nikola Jokic. LeBron took Clay Thompson. Then Giannis took Ben Simmons. And LeBron reacted very strongly, saying, he took my choice, you took my guy. And and Giannis said, I'm playing mind games. Which makes me think, and I'm not too surprised, that the two of them probably talked about who they wanted on their teams. I'm sure. And they probably exactly hashed out everything so that it wasn't heated and all of that. So I get it, but I also very much enjoy Giannis fucking with him if they did do that. Because LeBron looked genuinely very surprised. I've never seen him flustered before. And, Very he, and just a guy like that's a person who's not prepared for your fantasy football draft. Mm -hmm. Like it's like, oh, no. Oh, and then you just take a kicker. Mm -hmm. Like that's exactly <laughs> what happens. It was very fun to see. LeBron then ended up taking Damian Lillard. Giannis took Blake Griffin. LeBron took Russell Westbrook. Giannis took D'Angelo Russell, which seemed like a very silly move to me. LeBron took LaMarcus Aldridge. Giannis took Nikola Vucevic. LeBron took Carl Anthony. Giannis took Kyle Lowry because he promised Kyle Lowry he wouldn't let him be the last pick. Mm -hmm. Ernie then pointed out, well, he was your last pick. And, and Giannis said, well, he's not the last pick. And the last pick. Last pick. To no one's surprise as well, was Bradley Beal by LeBron James. What a bad year this boy is having. First of all, John Wall obviously built his mansion on an ancient uh, Native American burial ground mm -hmm. and ripped his entire ACL. Mm -hmm. No one on the team likes each other. They're mm -hmm. obviously house Slytherin. And mm -hmm. it's just like they can't get it together. Bradley Beal also said that he didn't want this to be televised because he knew that people would get mad and it's just about making the last pick feel bad. His exact quote was, y'all just want to trash on whoever gets picked last. <laughs> Which he knew knowing he was going to be picked last. That's the only reason you're upset about it, Bradley. So then they had a special round for the special All-Stars, which is something that they're doing, which I'm glad they're doing now, is they're giving extra roster spots to these legacy people rather than having Kobe or someone take away a spot. So they gave legacy spots to Dwayne Wade and Dirk Nowitzki. LeBron had the first pick, and he hammed it up acting like he was going to take Dirk, but then, of course, took his best bud, Dwayne Wade, and then Giannis ended it out with taking Dirk Nowitzki. There was one final thing that happened over the course of the draft is that there was a trade, which was great. I didn't even know you could do this. There is no rule saying you can't. And I mean, it really doesn't matter. Who cares? So to help out LeBron, who was so flustered about the Ben Simmons thing, Giannis offered to trade Ben Simmons for Russell Westbrook, which is a good trade. Not a good trade. I would rather have Russ. For the All-Star game, I would rather have Russ. In a real basketball game, I would rather have Ben Simmons. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So ultimately, this was a more fun trade. Giannis's team is not as good, but it is more fun, and I want them to win. And the best part about the trade is that Russell Westbrook and Paul George, who are teammates in real life, are now both on Team Giannis. And Paul George said that Russell is lucky because he was going to smoke his ass. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you just got to be honest. Mm -hmm. So what, here's what I was thinking about each captain's mindset going in. Right, Giannis just wanted to draft fun people for him to hang out with in Charlotte for a weekend. And his friends. And just and his friends. LeBron was drafting for free agents. Oh, 100%. Like, but no, I mean, like, not this is oh, even No, projected. yeah, all of the people he drafted are free agents. They're so. going to be free agents. So there's obviously Kevin Durant, right? Mm -hmm. Then Kyrie Irving, who we've talked about making my life a living hell. Mm -hmm. Then Kawhi, 
who may or may not leave Toronto, depending on how good they are. Mm -hmm. The only person who's not going to leave is James Harden, but he's also playing out of his mind. So that's a good selection. And then Anthony Davis and then Clay Thompson. Mm -hmm. So every single it's like LeBron wants to get FaceTime. This is like the second round of a job interview when you get to come in and see, like, if you acclimate with your managers. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. I don't like it either. It feels nefarious. Oh, yeah. It's a total GM move by LeBron because of how calculated this is by LeBron. I want Team Giannis to fucking destroy oh, them. Same, especially want, now they have Russ. Mm-hmm, I want them to destroy Team LeBron, and I want Team LeBron to get mad at each other. But yeah, that was the All Star Draft. I'm really excited. Now, when this episode is released, it will have already happened, so we'll see what went down. But super stoked about it. One, two, three, three, two, one, three on three. Mike, I have something very important to tell you. Mm-hmm. Basketball is my favorite sport. You like the way they dribble up and down the court. I do. You know, this might surprise you, but I was not the first person to say that. Yes. It was um, the man Curtis Blow. Oh, yeah. But you know that even in 1984 when he recorded the song, they even had a music video for it. Oh, they did. And, uh, Mike, I need to talk about this music video. It's very good. It's extremely good. It's wonderful. Mike, my three on three are my top three favorite and least favorite things from the video, Basketball by Curtis Blow. Very good. I'm excited. It is truly insane. I don't know how other way to describe it other than it is a wild fever dream of someone who loves not only basketball, but also like hallucinogenic drugs. Mm -hmm. And I need everyone, if you're not driving, if you're driving, continue driving. But if you're not driving, I need you to stop. And watch this music video before we go any further. Mm-hmm. And Mike, I'm going to make you watch this music video. We can enjoy it together. Yeah. So I've watched it regularly, oh, but no. I'm always down to watch it more. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I want to say this music video has 5.4 million views. And Not I think enough. that 5 million of them are me and you. Probably. <laughs> it's entirely possible. All right. So the podcast is going to skip forward for three minutes and 47 seconds. It's a combination of the setup in that song with the chorus the way it is and the verses the way they are and so much happening in that music video. That was only three minutes and 47 seconds and I felt like it was a 15 minute video. I felt like we sat down to watch a 30 for 30 documentary uh-huh. about the NBA in the 1980s. He lists it off like we didn't start the fire. Mm-hmm. It's just one reference to a person after another. But the way he does it is so cool. The way Curtis Blow raps <laughs> is so perfect. It's like declarative sentences. This is how I'm making a sandwich. First, going to put turkey on the sandwich. But the way it's like that style is so much fun to rap in. But also the way he says words, like the way he says basketball is perfect. I would love Curtis Blow to narrate my life. Just be like, Mike Schubert woke up from the bed, got some hair product on his head, went down to eat some food. Oh, boy, did it taste good. Because the other thing, in addition, (laughs) the rhyme for a second, I was like, hey, food and good don't rhyme. And yet here we are. Thank Mm -hmm. you, Curtis Blow. Because the thing with Curtis Blow, the key, gosh, uh, we have to keep it about basketball. But I love (laughs) hip hop so much and Curtis Blow especially. In addition to his delivery, his sentences are always so basic like it is nothing complex ever and that was just rap at the time like listen to an old run dmc song like they're amazing but it's nothing complex last okay last thing about (laughs) early hip-hop you can tell from sugar hill gang's 
Uh, don't even get me started on but that. But you can see <laughs> that, like, you're emulating just, like, saying things that vaguely rhyme. Right. But when you do it authentically, I mean, Curtis Blow, this is not good, mm-hmm. but it is what it is. Like, that was the style. And he really jams in a lot of information, which I think is important. I was going to do the three best and three worst lyrics of this <laughs> song, and it's all just, like, a book report. Yeah. So I couldn't even do it, so oh. that's why I'm doing the music video. <laughs> well, Mike, my third favorite thing about mm-hmm. the music video for basketball is just the fact that it exists exists good like the song the fact that it was popular enough to even become a music video it's just i love it so much so the reason why this got created was because curtis blow just wanted to make a song that was popular his Uh. wife told him that quote you need to make a song about basketball it's the number one sport for african americans and nobody's done it yet yeah just you just get to do it to do it it was so simple Early hip-hop and the transition of hip-hop is similar to what I feel like podcasting is now. It's like people are just doing it because like, oh, people might like this. Mm-hmm. And now, hey, I'm going to make a true crime podcast that's only about like murders in the snow. Mm-hmm. I would listen to that show. He had a lyricist for basketball whose name was William Billy Bill Warring. Mm-hmm. Which Very is a good. great nickname, Billy Bill. Billy Bill. Also, the snow murder true crime show is called Four to Six Feet. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Salt on the Road? is all that, That's the ice one. That, that, yeah, it's that's all about ice. That's the offshoot one. That's true. This is a spinoff. What's, uh, Four to Six Feet gets really good. The great thing about the music video was that the music video was recorded before the song came out. So, like, no one even knew that it was going to be popular. So, they had to just throw it together because they wanted a music video. The director was this guy who showed up from South Africa, like, a week ago. <laughs> he, like, escaped apartheid and be like, hey, do you know how to make a music video? Hey, come on and do it. And he's like, all right, well, I'm just going to do a bunch of random stuff, which I think is funny. And that's it. That's entirely how the music video was made. I'm excited to learn more about the production aspect of it because by watching the video, it feels like the whole thing was filmed in a room that was uncomfortably small. Oh, absolutely. Just because everything is so tight and everyone is all jammed together all of the time. I feel like they recorded this in the world's smallest studio. Well, they didn't have any money. So mm-hmm. the director said, he's like, I want this to be like the Bronx. And I want to make this very clear. This is a man who lived in South Africa until seven days before the musical was recorded. Mm-hmm. So like, oh, what is the Bronx? One, it's dark. Two, people are fighting. Three, there's a cage. And that's the entire music video. It's wonderful. It's amazing. Number two, Mike, my second favorite thing about this music video is the clothing. Mm, Yeah. The costumes are actually extremely on point for 1980. I think the best costume is Curtis Blow's lack of shirt, I think, is the (laughs) the fact that he's wearing a jacket with nothing underneath. Mike, I I have something very important (laughs) to tell you. It's not a jacket. It is a jumpsuit. It's a full, all blue periwinkle blue jumpsuit that he has uh, zipped down to his belly button Mm -hmm. like j-lo at the 2004 vmas good reference if you know his medallion is just rocking swinging out my favorite part about that jumpsuit he has the little lightning bolt the lightning bolt is incredible i'm upset that that jacket and outfit is not as popular as the all red leather michael jackson music video yes. outfit because i think this curtis bond was great i didn't know it was a jumpsuit because it's always such like close cuts of curtis blow that i feel like you mainly only see him from the waist up if you notice you can like see there's a little bit of like mm. butt in the in the <laughs> shot so it's like why is curtis blows butt periwinkle it's like oh because it's a jumpsuit yeah. there were a bunch of other things that i really loved i actually really like the outfit of the cheerleaders yeah the cheerleaders, the cheerleaders are first 
of all, are terrible. <laughs> they Yeah, they look like the choreography was put together 15 minutes before recording, and it looks like one of them was good, so they were like, you stand in the middle. Because there's that one brunette one who's like killing it, and then everyone else is like, what do we do? I thought this is like, you know, you're going to do a talent show at like summer camp, mm-hmm. and like one oh, person's yeah, very yeah, yeah, into yeah. it, mm-hmm. and she's like, all right, everybody. So you just, I listen, I've been taking dance for five years, and mm-hmm. I know exactly how to do it. It's left foot, and then right foot, and then up and sway, and everyone else is like, I don't know what we're doing. And it's like, coming up, cabin three. It's very good. It's pretty accurate. Yeah, they're bad. Their outfits are solid, though. So they have orange sweaters and a big blue bee in the middle, which I think is very on point for the fact that nothing else about the cheerleaders are good. No. But like, where did they find seven bee varsity looking sweaters that everyone would be able to fit in? Oh, I'm sure they made them. It's the one thing that they actually put a lot of effort into, which mm-hmm. is why it blows my mind. Because, you know, the thing they didn't put a lot of effort into? Everything else? The jerseys oh. that the basketball players wear. The Miller Lite-sponsored jerseys? Let me read to you what's on this jersey. Because you never see it because they're always flying through the air in slow motion. Flying is a stretch. But they're <laughs> jumping small through Very slow motion. Very tiny jumps. It says light at the top, like mm-hmm. Miller Lite. Then it is their random number. Mm-hmm. And then below it, it says NBA. Pro-Am New York. Where did Curtis Blow find <laughs> find these warm-up jerseys? I'm assuming from some sort of legitimate Pro-Am thing. Because it seems bonkers to have these jerseys sponsored by Miller Lite. This was not a time where music videos would have a Beats pill strategically placed <laughs> in the video. So I think, honestly, there was some sort of Pro-Am event, some sort of scouting thing. Yeah. And someone knew a guy and they were left over and they were like, yeah, hey, here are 10 jerseys that we don't need anymore. Here's a bag of leftover jerseys. Just go ahead. They're too bad to be made for the music video. Oh, absolutely. They're way too bad. I don't know the story of actually filming it, but I feel like they just went to a studio and then was like, what can we grab that's basketball What's related? Here? Well, and I have grabbed everything. <laughs> I have these so the <laughs> I have these recreational jerseys. Would you like some? And this eight foot tall rim. I feel like they just went into a prop thing and grabbed everything basketball related. Like they went control F basketball and then took all the things. <laughs> And then said, we'll figure it out. Why did nunchucks show up? Uh, Michelangelo likes basketball, so it was part of the search. He just thought it it was interesting. (laughs) Uh, Number one, Mike, my favorite thing about this music video are the sheer number of dunks. It depends on how you define number because it's the same two dunks shown <laughs> over and over four and over times again. each. The first people who dunk are the uh, guys in the Pro-Am jerseys. Mm-hmm. So about three different people, and they're all wearing white. The Burgundy team never gets to score in the game. Of course they don't. But all of the ones, there's one guy who gets like his whole elbow in the dunk. There's another guy who just like kind of dunks it. And then the one you're talking about, the one where it looks like the guy's flying through the air. In slow motion, of course. Mm -hmm. That clip is being used three times. They filmed dunks, but they didn't film more than three? There's an entire choreographed fight scene. You couldn't film a couple more dunks? (laughs) You found guys who knew how to use, like, Ninjago weapons, but you couldn't film more dunks? Is Ninjago actually something, or is that just the name of the Lego thing? It's the name of the Lego thing, but I thought you would think it was funny. (laughs) I'm just, like, curious if Ninjago actually means something, or if Lego is just, like, Lego, Ninja... Ninja go Ninjago. I mean, that's what it is. It's half of the word Lego and then ninja. Oh, no, I know. But I like the middle step. How someone said something dumb. Like Steve Stones is like, I got it. Lego Ninja 
Ninja go. It rhymes with indigo, so people already have the word association. But we'll pronounce it ninjago. Ugh. See, Steve, you should be more like Dennis. This Dennis is, knows. This is why bionicles were way better. <laughs> Always be ninjago. I just like the idea of the one person at the board meeting who just stands up and says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Is that a pun? And then, what are we, and then Steve, what are we doing here? Steve says, not really. Why are we calling it Ninjago? <laughs> That's lit. We have to listen to Dennis. <laughs> Dennis has all of the ideas. My personal favorite dunk. And this is my favorite moment of the music This video. is the behind the back one? No. <laughs> There's a part near the end where Curtis Blow oh, dunks yeah. the ball. He runs by everybody. He doesn't even dribble. Like He takes like four steps. Then he goes up and he dunks it. And he runs into the far, the far fence. Like you were running full speed and you have to like bounce off of it and you can't stop. So he's obviously clumsy. He takes a second to regroup himself. And then he steps in front of all of the actors to go and high five everybody. It's like he scored a game winner. The face that he makes is just pure elation. He's so happy. It's like he won the NBA championship. And like all of his friends are coming out to high five him. I mean... Dunking is very fun. Hot take. <laughs> dunking, extremely good. It's so fun and satisfying. I wish I could dunk on a real hoop because <laughs> it's so fun. I thought I would be as happy as Curtis Blow is. He is just pure joy in that moment. I'm so proud of him. It's like the whole music video was just put together so that he could dunk the ball. Mm -hmm. And I'm very happy for him. I love it. This music video wouldn't be complete unless we talk about the worst parts of the music video. Mm -hmm. My third favorite worst part of the music video are the photos of Michael Ray Richardson. Yeah, I've always been confused by this. So in the middle of the video, a guy with an old-timey camera pops up and there's a flash and then there's a black and white photo of just a guy wearing a Knicks jersey. Mm -hmm. And he's not doing anything. He's just like he's in the middle of he's like dribbling or he's about to pass the ball and it's inexplicable. For a second, the first time I watched it, I'm like, "Why are there photos of Curtis Blow in a Knicks jersey?" Cuz I wasn't looking at it close enough. Turns out this is Nick's kind of good guy, Michael Ray Richardson. Yeah, I remember watching this music video a while back, seeing the picture, recognizing it and thinking like, I know who this Nick is, but he's not that great. His jersey's not retired. Uh, so I looked it up and it was Michael Ray Richardson. I only know a little bit about him, but didn't he have a couple good years for the Knicks and then do a bunch of drugs? Yeah, that okay. was like everyone in the 80s. Mm -hmm. he, he was fine, but here's the reason why you know that he wasn't that great. Like I said... Curtis Blow said that the video was recorded before it was a hit, so the NBA didn't want anything to do with it because oh. they didn't know it was going to be actually popular. So the initial idea for the music video was to get footage of all the players in the song, but they couldn't get clearance from anyone because they didn't want to run afoul of the league or they thought this was dumb. Mm -hmm. And the only person they could get clearance for was Michael Ray Richardson. He's not even in the He's song. He's not in the song. <laughs> He's not. And it's easy to uh it's easy to rhyme with Ray. You could be like basketball. I play every day. I dunk it hard like Michael Ray. That like, would have been perfect. <laughs> but he decided <laughs> for some reason they were like, I really love this idea, so we need to do it, but we have only photos from a guy who's not even in the song. It's like you're so committed to your original concept that you can't let go of it. But don't worry, we're gonna do nunchucks instead. Mm -hmm. Love the nunchucks. It's well, Mike, great. that's my number two favorite terrible thing. <laughs> number two, nunchucks. Mm -hmm. In the middle, in minute one, you were watching it like, all right, there are cheerleaders. Curtis blows holding a basketball. There's some dunks. I get it. 
And then inexplicably, in the Bronx, in the middle of a game, they start karate fighting with each other. Mm -hmm. Lots of kung fu. Yeah. Like, there's some guy has, like, one of those, like, bow staffs. Some guy has nunchucks. And they're just, like, fighting with each other. And then there's also, like, Batman, pow, kapow inserts. And they're, like, neon colors. Why? Well, I'm sure you heard the tale that everybody was kung fu fighting. (laughs) Everyone. Every single person. It was as and fast as And this is the day that that was recorded. <laughs> it was as fast as lightning and no one could see it. I mean, it was a little bit frightening. They had expert timing because they got it on film. I've n- always been so upset with that line. Timing does not rhyme with frightening or lightning. They should have brought in Curtis Blow to do that slant rhyme because you wouldn't have noticed it. He has a magical way of making words rhyme even though they don't. My favorite part of the oral history was this director, again, straight out of South Africa. The first thing that he wanted to do was put a martial arts thing in the background at times. And he's very proud of it because his quote is, we did this nearly 10 years before it was such a thing with the Wu-Tang Clan. So he's like, I'm the progenitor of the Wu-Tang. He's like, it it was all me. I did it. Okay. (laughs) Many problems with this statement. Yes, the Wu-Tang Clan was called the Wu-Tang Clan, and they had cool... Things come in and sound bites from kung fu movies. They didn't rap about kung fu very much. And they didn't put it in their music videos. They never like made a whole song about it. They never put it in their music videos. First of all, Inspector Deck has a lot of skills and he mm-hmm. does not need to prove to you his Wu-Tang style. The other thing about this dude, they ask him, okay, please do the music video for basketball. Got any ideas? Yes. First thing, we're going to need Kung Fu in there. It's not smart. <laughs> hey, I'm from South Africa, and I want to put in uh, Kung Fu. What was that? That was my attempt what at South Africa. What was that? Uh, from Joburg. Ooh. Oh, my. Oh. From South Africa. Oh, no. <laughs> Steve Nash cries in a corner. <laughs> Mike, my favorite worst thing. Of basketball by Curtis Blow, the music video. Is it the chicken? It's the chicken. The chicken is terrifying. It's the chicken. I hadn't watched this music video in a long time. I'm like almost three minutes in. I'm like, all right, this is silly. It's about basketball. Fine. At two minutes and 53 seconds, Mm -hmm. there is a shot Mm -hmm. of a person in a giant chicken suit costume looking at a large white man who is putting mustard on a one and a half foot hot dog. And it's definitely plastic. It's absolutely. That is not a real hot dog. Not real at all. And it's, I don't know what to say about it because it is so absurd that I can't even make jokes. Like it, this just happens inexplicably in the middle of this video. The chicken I get is supposed to represent being a mascot. However. Really? <laughs> I didn't even cross my mind. However, no team would be the chickens. The fighting chickens. The fighting cocks. Like, not going to happen. But also, it is the most lifeless, dead-eyed, soulless mascot mask ever. Oh, absolutely. Because most mascots have some sort of facial expression, usually a generally happy one. It's one of those things where if it was a stuffed animal, you'd be like, there is a soul inside of this. Like, that (laughs) used to be a human. And that's the same kind of thing. Someone was possessed in making that mascot It's like the chicken was a popular cartoon character, and then that chicken was in Times Square trying to get people to pay money to take photos with the chicken, and they just pulled him off the street and put him in the music video. 
if this director really wants to take credit for predating anything, he should take credit for predating Five Nights at Freddy's because <laughs> that's what this chicken is. That's true. It's Freddy. Terrible chicken. I'm pretty sure there is a chicken in those games, but I am a <gasps> tiny baby boy that doesn't like playing horse. Hey, stuff. same. <laughs> hey, my, oh my gosh. I just never understood doing that on purpose because at least with a movie, it makes sense. Like, Get Out's not scary, but it's an incredible film, and it's very well told. I don't understand why people are like, yeah, I like playing this video game because it jumps out and scares you and stuff. I don't really think there's captivating storytelling in Five Nights at Freddy's. I would say I'm afraid of all horror movies. I can't. I love thrill. I love roller coasters. Mm -hmm. I love, like, if I I would go skydiving, I would do things like that. I don't understand willingly making yourself scared for any reason. For other horror things, I get it if it tells a good story, etc. But I don't understand watching the type of horror movie that is just for the purpose of scaring you and nothing else. And that's what I feel like Five Nights at Freddy's is just in video game form. Absolutely. I love reading the Wikipedia pages for horror movies. Though. Same. Like yeah. I love I love <laughs> one of my favorite Wikipedia pages is the Saw one. Because I'm just like, you what can, are you doing? You can handle Saw one. You'll be fine. Uh, and it's actually a good movie. It's also the thing. It's like, I don't want to be around anyone when I'm seeing a horror movie because it's like, <laughs> I'm a dude who doesn't like getting scared. And then it's just like whole things about masculinity and stuff. So like, I never want to even put myself in that situation. But you know, it is very scary. This fucking chicken. Terrifying. The, you know, it's also terrifying. The amount of time they spend on this one scene. I timed it. It is Almost 10 full seconds. Too many. It's too many seconds. The best part about it is just watching the guy put mustard on it because you can tell he was instructed, hi, please put mustard on this hot dog. He went and thought it would be a two-second cut, and then he just keeps going. And then he looks up, and they're like, keep going. And he just does six layers of mustard. He's focusing intently on putting mustard on the hot dog. I was told to put mustard on this hot dog. I'm putting (laughs) mustard on the hot dog. I'm going to do it. I have been given a task. I will achieve this task. I am whack white guy (laughs) hired for this video video and I need to do it. I love this music video so much. It's very good. I love it so much. Five million views of it is me Mm -hmm. and I appreciate it. Curtis Blow, basketball music video. Gosh, I just want to talk on Curtis Blow for the rest of the episode. We'll have a Curtis Blow day. That actually happened. (laughs) My name's Eric Silver, and I'm here to say I love basketball in a major way. It's a hip hop. The hip is a hip to the hip hip hop. You know, oh no, it's taking over to the bang bang boogie song. Mike, help me. I can't stop to the rhythm of the boogie the beat. That song is bad. So, you know what's not bad? My that actually happened. So, Eric, what month is it? It is February. When you think of February, what do you think of? Uh, Valentine's Day, uh, Losing Light, Black History Month, and it's, like, kind of objectively the worst weather month above the equator Mm -hmm. because it's, like, you're in the middle of winter and, like, there's no going back. Okay. First off, very offended you didn't say my birthday. But also, (laughs) February now has a special place in my heart ever since 2012. This really was what turned me from a casual basketball fan into a obsessive, obnoxious, over-the-top basketball fan. Every February, I remember Linsanity. Oh, Linsanity, yes! Mm -hmm. To make me feel better about my favorite player being traded, I want to talk about the best Knicks thing to happen to me as a fan and one of the better things to happen across the league. Lynn's sanity is perfect, and I'm so excited that I finally get to share the story on horse. As we talk about everything about what's going on with the Knicks, I think it's interesting when basketball is good in New York City, or when any sports team in, from New York City does well. Mm-hmm. Like, the city feels better. Oh, yeah. Like, everyone is just, like, super stoked to be around, because, mm-hmm. like, Madison Square Garden, like, radiates 
positive energy yeah. when uh, you're playoff bound. And this is like, this was like a, a shot in the arm of this. I mean, living in New York City at the time, it was wild. It was February. It was disgusting out. But everyone was like, oh, yeah, like, come on the subway. It's fine. Mm-hmm. No one, no one pooped in there. <laughs> We're good. First, let me tell you the story of Jeremy Lin. When he was looking to play college ball, he sent his resume and a DVD copy of his high school basketball highlights to every Ivy League school, UC Berkeley, and his dream schools, Stanford and UCLA. Jeremy Lin grew up outside of Los Angeles, so it makes sense that the schools in the California area would be the dream. So Harvard and Brown were the only teams that would guarantee him a spot on their teams, but Ivy League schools do not offer athletic scholarships. But his GPA was a 4.2, so he was good enough to go to Harvard, which is where he played college basketball. What a good boy. What a good boy. His senior year, he averaged 16.4 points, 4.4 rebounds, 4.5 assists, 2.4 steals, and 1.1 blocks. He was a unanimous selection for the All-Ivy League first team. So not crazy, ridiculous stats, but pretty good at everything stats. Well, I will say, though, he was playing against, like, doughy big nerds yeah i mean still anyone that's going to be playing on an ivy league program is going to kick our ass at basketball oh i'm not saying me i'm saying like (laughs) comparative doughy nerds sure 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 so the 2010 nba draft came around and unfortunately he did not get drafted lynn then joined the dallas mavericks for the summer league and you want to know who picked him up he's a character that has been on the passing before of being good at drafting people it's the cubes and don nelson donnie nelson yeah donnie nelson made the selection which was fantastic so he offered him the invitation to play in summer league on july 21st 2010 lynn signed a two-year deal with the golden state warriors this was before the warriors were good this was when the warriors were <laughs> really bad but it was just like baron davis being sad he wasn't even on the team anymore that's why it was so sad yeah, he wasn't even it there. was monte ellis who Ugh. have it all <laughs> so not great but also it made sense because they did not have a lot of depth at the point guard position which is what Jeremy plays, so it was a good opportunity for him. He played sparringly here and there for the Warriors. The fans absolutely loved him because there's a really high Asian population in the Bay Area, and his first game, which is super fitting for the Warriors, was on Asian Heritage Night. Hey! They put him in at the end of the game, the crowd went nuts, and basically any time a game got out of hand, whether the Warriors were winning by a lot or losing by a lot, colloquially known as the garbage time in the NBA, (laughs) the crowd would clamor to put Jeremy Lin in. He's also the first... American-born NBA player of Chinese or Taiwanese descent. Oh. So you have Yao Ming, sure, but he was Chinese and then came over. When you think about Yao Ming, he was seven foot four or whatever, or seven six. He's a huge dude. So it's not as easy to see yourself in Yao Ming. Whereas Jeremy Lin's like a six foot three Asian dude. So when you have people who are fans of the NBA and are Asian, it makes more sense to be like, hey, that guy's kind of like me. He's a nerdy kid that went to Harvard for four years, graduated with a great degree, and now is like trying to make it in the NBA. You have more of that relation than like, look at this behemoth of a human being. Of course he's good at basketball. Basketball's so funny because we're relating, oh, look at this regular guy who went to Harvard. <laughs> this regular guy who went to Harvard and is six foot three. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I really see him. We're, we're the same. It's so funny with the NBA because people will look at Steph Curry and be like, oh, yeah, Steph Curry, a little guy. Steph Curry's 6'3". Yeah. He's not Still little. <laughs> He's not little. <laughs> extremely large. <laughs> so this was in 2010. The next season, 2011, was the lockout year, mm-hmm. which was a time in which the NBA was delayed because of a disagreement between the owners and the players. So the season didn't really get started until December, which, ugh, very rough. So Lynn worked to improve his jump shot during the offseason. He increased his strength. And here's a fun stat I found. 
He also increased his strength, doubling the weight he could squat from 110 pounds to 231 pounds. First off, Jeremy Lin, you're a professional athlete. You can't squat more than 110 pounds. I can squat 250 pounds. I'm not a professional athlete. Come on, Jeremy Lin. Get on it. Hey, he's just a regular guy. <laughs> but the one thing that is very impressive, he tripled the number of pull-ups he could do from 12 to 30. That's very impressive. I think I can maybe do 12 pull-ups. 30 is a lot of pull-ups. If I was locked out of my job and I had like time just to do stuff and uh -huh. eventually would come back, I think I would also double the amount I could squat. Yeah, I would work out all the time. I'm really excited for when I become a full-time podcaster and I'm just ripped. You just get see you know what they say about podcasting? Everyone just gets yoked. <laughs> You know, I laugh a lot, so my abs are really good. That's true. You know the thing about uh, Rishi K. Sherway? Just like shredding. <laughs> he is in shape. He's a good shape. He's, they don't call him the song exploder for more than one reason. <laughs> I did it. I also like the idea that he is the song exploder, not the not the name of the podcast. He I'd is be the like, song exploder. I'd be like calling us. Oh, yeah. Mike Schubert, the horse. He's the eponymous song exploder. He's the horse. He's the putter less. So on the first day of training camp, the Warriors waived him. So Lin was claimed off of waivers by the Houston Rockets. He played for seven total minutes for them in the preseason and then was waived the day before the season started, which was Christmas Eve. Oops. 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 Waived to make payroll room for Samuel D'Alembert, who fucking sucks. There you go. And he was on the Knicks for a bit and was a very grumpy boy. I do not like Samuel D'Alembert. Get him. is gross. Also, I don't like that he spells his name like D'Alembert, like Schubert, and then some people actually think Schubert is pronounced Schubert, like you jokingly say. I wonder Wait, how many it... people actually think that you're ah! genuinely pronouncing. It'll happen once. Someone will actually think it's Schubert. I will say that I originally did think it was Schubert. I guess I just kind of assumed, because whenever I see it, it was like you that. Thought but I then was I realized French? it was like the Schubert Theater in New York City, yeah. and then Amanda corrected me, and then I'm like, oh, but then I realized it was funnier if I said Schubert. So then we go to December 27th, 2011. After an injury to guard Amon Shumpert, which is a sentence that has been written countless times, Oops. the New York Knicks claimed Jeremy Lin off of waivers to be a backup. Then Baron Davis, who was on the Knicks at the time, was also injured. So they needed a point guard. They just threw him on the roster, even though they never really saw him play. They were just like, this guy's fine. He got waived. We need a point guard. So they signed him. Wait, are you saying that the Knicks do things out of desperation? They, oh. So weird. Desperation is a key word in a sentence I'm about to read to you from my research. So on January 28th, Baron Davis postponed his return to the Knicks due to an elbow infection and back pain. The Knicks were considering signing another player, but they already had Lynn on the roster, and his contract became fully guaranteed on February 10th, but they figured, due to, quote, desperation, according to Mike D'Antoni, they gave Lynn a chance to play. Ah. It was February 3rd, they were playing the Celtics, and they gave up a lead that they had. They were losing pretty badly, and Mike D'Antoni just threw him in. He later went on to say, quote, he got lucky because we were playing so bad. <laughs> There you go. And the Knicks were playing bad as a team. They had lost 11 of their last 13 games. So not great for the Knicks. So then February 4th comes along. Against the New Jersey Nets and all-star guard Darren Williams, Lynn scored 25 points, had five rebounds, and seven assists in a 99-92 Knicks victory. However, next game, Utah Jazz, Lynn makes his first start. He plays without Carmelo Anthony because he left the game due to an injury and Amari Stoudemire, whose older brother had passed away. So he got to play a bunch and there was no other main star. So they were going through Jeremy Lin. 
Lynn had 28 points and 8 assists in a 99-88 win. Then, hmm. Stoudemire and Anthony missed the next 3 and 7 games respectively, which opens the door for Lynn Sanity. I did not know this. The reason why this all happened was because the two guys who they paid hundreds of millions of dollars mm-hmm. for, they just like were not there. Carmelo and Amari were like, I can't. They didn't really have an offense to run through, so they just did what Mike D'Antoni likes to do, which is really fast-paced pick and rolls, and that's what Jeremy Lin's really good at, and it's pretty much the only thing Jeremy Lin is good at. So it was just this amazing combination of events all coming together perfectly at the same time to facilitate this. After this jazz game, they asked, are you going to keep playing Jeremy Lin? And Mike D'Antoni said, quote, I'm going to ride Jeremy Lin like freaking secretariat. It's a weird thing to say. In it public, is a weird thing to say, especially when there's a lot of microphones in front of you and it can record it and mm-hmm. people will remember it like us on this podcast now. Such a good horse themed quote. Still bad. <laughs> still still not great. I don't like anyone riding anybody. But this quote gave Jeremy Lin the confidence that he needed since it was such a bonkers <laughs> statement. <laughs> Apparently. Next game is a 107-93 win over the Washington Wizards. Jeremy got 23 points, 10 assists in his first double-double. Then, February 10th, he got a new career high, 38 points and 7 assists in a 92-85 victory over the Los Angeles Lakers. Hey, He outscored Kobe Bryant, who scored 34 points in the game. I remember watching this game. This was the moment because the other teams he played not great he had these three good games and buzz was starting to build up and then it was like all right now they're playing the lakers he's gonna go against kobe and he kicked the lakers ass there is a iconic photo which i have framed of him (laughs) making a three-pointer with his hand in the sky celebrating the crowd going nuts and the lakers bench all looking very sad and dejected that they are getting their shit lit up by Jeremy Lin. They deserve it. Everything bad that happens to the Lakers, they deserve. It. I'm sorry. <laughs> I like. I can't. I assume that Magic Johnson had to deal with the devil, mm-hmm. and every time that something bad happens to them, it's just extremely delicious for everyone else. That didn't stop there. February 11th, Lin scores 20 points and eight assists in a 198 win over the Timberwolves. This is at the point where it really starts to turn the next season around. And there is a unnamed source who said that his play at this point saved a few jobs at the Knicks. Because, like, they were going to fire the coach. They were going to fire all these people. They were going to trade people away because they were playing so poorly. But the Knicks start going on a tear. And they're making a run to be in the playoffs now. It was ridiculous. But it doesn't stop there because this was the game. February 14th. This is when he played the Raptors. Mm -hmm. And this is where he had an iconic game-winning three-pointer and a 90-87 win in Toronto. I highly recommend watching this. It's a video we'll put on the episode page at horsehoops.com. But this game took place in Toronto. By about halfway through, the entire arena is rooting for Jeremy Lin. No one is rooting for the Raptors. Everyone wants Jeremy Lin to just ball out, and he's playing. And if you watch the part where he makes this game-winning three, which is just so fantastic, the entire arena loses their shit. The home team's team lost on a buzzer beater, and they go bonkers for Jeremy Lin. You just, like, can't not love the dude. I also want to say that Canadians are also extremely good. This is true. (laughs) If you have it anywhere else, they'd just be like, boo, I hate it. But, like, I, I appreciate all the Canadians. Like, I love this guy. I don't know what you're talking about. He's such a good dude. He's just, you can't not love him. Jeremy Lin, before getting this bigger deal with the Knicks, he was sleeping on his brother's couch. Right. <laughs> the dude didn't even have a place of his own. Just like me when I was 22. He's an undrafted player. Crazy circumstances. 
doesn't look like anyone else in the league. Amazing story. Comes from nothing and just starts tearing the league up by storm. And it doesn't stop there. Next game, Sacramento Kings. Lynn gets 13 assists and puts the Knicks back above 500. This is now the seventh game in a row where Jeremy Lynn started playing a lot, where the Knicks won. They were on a 7-0 win streak. But the winning streak then came to an end after seven games in a 89-85 loss to the Hornets. Lynn scored 26 points, but he had nine turnovers. This was the one knock on Jeremy Lynn. He had 45 turnovers in his first seven career starts. It's the most that any individual has ever had since they started tracking turnovers Uh-oh. in 1977. Oops. <laughs> so Probably bad. That was always the knock on him was, yeah, he's doing great, but he was averaging like five turnovers a game. Well, they always forget about, you know... In 1964, the point guard, Slippery Hands Jones, mm-hmm. you know, they, he he just turned it over every day, but uh, no one even tracked it. So they're like, ah, I bet he's fine. He doesn't do cocaine. So so he did have this setback, and this sparked an ESPN guy yeah. to write an article with the headline, A Chink in the Armor. That man was fired within 15 minutes, thankfully. He claims that he has used this phrase a lot at showing the first sign of weakness of something, but you know that dude was sitting on that headline, which is racist as shit. I think this is something that can't be overlooked when we talk about Lin Sanity. Mm-hmm. The fact that he didn't look like anyone else in no. the league, primarily black players in basketball, they're self-aware enough mm-hmm. to understand. Like We've talked a lot about like black players, white owners, and like the racial issues that come in between it and everything that happens in the United States, more so in basketball than any other sport. But the fact that Jeremy Lin is Asian and looks different than everyone else, it's like it's okay. This guy thought it was okay to put that on ESPN. We're not mm-hmm. even talking like some bullshit blog out there. Put this on the front page of ESPN. Mm-hmm. It's, it blows my mind that the fact that he is even othered within basketball, within the NBA, that it's still okay, and someone needed to tell him it wasn't okay. The race, Fuck that guy. The race aspect of it is crucial because it's part of what makes it so good. You have a lot of Asian fans getting more excited because they finally have someone they can root behind. Right. You have people overseas being really excited because in China, basketball is huge. So that reignited the flame in the NBA that was already over there. Yao Ming had been out of the league. So this was so great for so many people. And for me, what was huge about it, first off, he was a nerd. And I was a nerd. I was at Rice when this happened. I'm a kid at Rice, not very big, love it. He was playing. I was like, look, this is good for nerds. He was on my favorite team as well. All of these factors. No matter what way you look at it, you could not root for this dude. Yeah, I mean, this really took a lot of the wind out of the sails when you realize that, like, this wasn't perfect. It was like this fever dream everyone was having at the same time. Mm-hmm. And then one person injects the reality of like, oh, yeah, fucking racial stereotypes. Like, mm-hmm. fuck this. It's awful. I'm glad the dude got fired. But a lot of scouts now after the fact have said a reason that he kept getting waved and bounced around without giving him a serious look probably was because he was Asian. The next game, February 19th, Jeremy Lin scores 28 points and 14 assists and five steals in a win over the Mavericks. I also like that part of this is him balling out on the old teams that got rid of him. Good. That's (laughs) very good. Oh, that was super fun. Then there was the big decline that happened on February 23rd because the New York Knicks were slated to play the Miami Heat. Uh Uh-oh. And the Miami Heat at the time had LeBron James and Dwayne Wade. This was the at the peak of their talents. Are you saying that LeBron James took his talents to South Beach? He took his talents to South Beach. He also took his talents to guarding Jeremy Lin because... What? One, 
Because one reporter said that, quote, LeBron and Dwayne Wade argued over who would guard Jeremy Lin that game. Not good when two of the top five players in the league at this time are arguing about who's going to lock down this kid. This is like prime LeBron, too. LeBron is also like, Jeremy Lin is a point guard. LeBron Mm -hmm. is a Mm 3-4. He's like... Bunch of inches on him, at least 50 pounds. Mm -hmm. Like, what are you supposed to do? Nothing, except get murdered. However, it is a high compliment because basically the Heat reshaped their entire defense to shut down Jeremy Lin. And it worked because he shot one of 11 from the field and committed eight turnovers. So One less than what his big nine turnover game, though. Jeremy Lin did go on later to say that the experience of them just completely revamping their defense to shut him down was, quote, flattering and terrifying. I feel like they were all hawks circling me and staring. Yikes. (laughs) The Knicks in March then fired Mike D'Antoni after a six-game losing streak and replaced him with Mike Woodson. Mike Woodson was not a very big pick-and-roll type guy. Carmelo Anthony and Amari Sonnemeyer come back from their injuries. Then there's some rumblings that Carmelo doesn't like Jeremy Lin because all of the focus and media attention, for good reason, is on Jeremy Lin. And Carmelo Anthony's supposed to be the star. He wants the offense to run through him, not this pick and roll thing, et cetera, et cetera. Mike, you call a lot of people grumpy. I would say, undeniably, Carmelo Anthony is a grumpy boy. He was the grumpiest at this point. This was peak grumpy Carmelo was when Jeremy Lin was everyone's favorite player. And then, unfortunately, he gets a season-ending knee injury. So that offseason, he signs a huge contract with the Houston Rockets that the Knicks did not match. It was a bunch of money because the Rockets were going to be bad, and they wanted to put butts in seats. But then you know what happens a week before the season starts? The Oklahoma City Thunder decide, we would like to trade James Harden, and then the Rockets get James Harden in this bonker situation, which will be a separate that actually happened. Yes. So we'll pick this up from where we were leaving off. We'll put a coda here. Just go to that episode. But basically, the Rockets get James Harden. That changes them from being a tanking team to a team that wants to compete. Lynn never gets the same focus that he needs for his skill set, and then he was fine on the Rockets. He gets traded to the Lakers, and then same kind of thing. And then when he was on his other teams, the Hornets, he was fine and on the nets they were ready to like base the whole thing around him and then injuries just have really hampered him ever since the only good thing about his injuries and very this is a very silver lining thing here one of the g league teams who was connected to brooklyn at the time were the erie red hawks yes and my dad is from erie pennsylvania Mm -hmm. so he bought me a jeremy lynn jersey for the erie red hawks i don't know where it is Mm -hmm. i want it so bad so i can show it to you that's amazing but it's it's the only good thing was that he got to be on all of these bonkers g league teams one of my favorite things about any sport, like I think this about minor league baseball as well, mm-hmm. are minor league team names. Oh, they're very good. It'll be a three on three. We'll do the best and worst team names. Oh, we'd have to. We'll dibs, have to. dibs, uh, dibs, dibs. Fine. You get slam ball. I get this. Oh, okay. <laughs> we'll do it in the same. This it is the same dibs, episode. The dibs episode. The dibs episode. Yeah. So that was the tale of Linsanity. And even though he didn't go on to be an amazing player or anything, it was an amazing two week span. It brought so much more love to the Knicks. It brought so much more love to basketball. It gave a lot of people who didn't see someone in the league that looked like them or represented them. It gave people hope. It inspired a bunch of kids and high schoolers and college kids. The amount of love that he gave for people that either like basketball or didn't even care about basketball was amazing. He's also just one of the nicest dudes out there. That's the thing. He's just the most genuine human. 
I think a lot of that was easy. It was easy to fall in love with him. Because yeah. He, all of the interviews, he was a cool dude. Mm-hmm. Especially because, like, it didn't even seem like he expected to be in the NBA. No. He expected his starting for the NBA. I mean, that's, like, everybody's dream who mm-hmm. even likes basketball at all. The other thing is this was something that came out recently. There was a bit of a scandal, so to speak, in that Jeremy Lin wasn't getting flagrant foul calls against him. Someone on Reddit made a YouTube what? video. Yeah, I'll, I'll put it on the episode page. Someone made this YouTube supercut of all the times that Jeremy Lin just got absolutely hacked oh. by people in the league and they would just call it a regular foul or not a foul at all and there was a bit of a discussion where the the refs had to make a statement about it and everything that people brought up hey are people being racist against Jeremy Lin by not calling fouls on him just because he's an Asian dude in the league it was a legitimate concern it wasn't even like a star treatment thing but like it was first a problem with are people hacking Jeremy Lin more whether it's the whole insanity thing, whether people are upset about him because he got so popular for not even being that good, so to speak. Sure, sure. Or is it some sort of race thing? So you think but, that like people people were intentionally like really clobbering him? One, they didn't want to be scored on, mm-hmm. and two, like fuck that guy. Yeah, and they didn't respect him, and they didn't want to be scored on by him. And then the, the fact I, he wasn't getting calls, he wasn't getting calls, and that oh. was the thing where it's like, why is Jeremy Lin not getting calls? There's no other reason to point to. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could we could talk about referees and the fact that like a professional this giant business is still based on a few people mm-hmm. a few just like fucking dudes being able and a to, couple ladies that's more of an indictment of the referees <laughs> than than whether or not i'm calling them out <laughs> just like being able to see all of these major athletes running at the same time and mm-hmm. like and it's different that stars get treated differently than rookies yeah lebron's gonna get a different set of calls than landry shamit all in all linsanity was a great thing i'm so glad it happened it's what made me love the Knicks more. I was a very casual Knicks fan. And once this happened, I was like, I'm all in. I bought a Jeremy Lin shirt. It said Linsanity, but the I and the T were a one and a seven because that was his number <laughs> that I will never get rid of because it's just too good. I'll turn it into a pillow or something one day. Oh, that'd be good. You need to take all of your Knicks stuff and turn it into like a quilt. Ooh. All people who've been <laughs> traded away from the Knicks, you need to make into a quilt. Hey, I gotta figure out something to do with my Porzingis jersey and my Porzingis socks because uh, never wearing those. Probably burn them. But yeah, Linsanity was nuts. It was so crazy in the best way, and I love it. I can stitch together these two segments. My name's Jeremy Lin, and I'm here to say I love playing basketball in a major way. People were racist, and that was bad. Just period. No (laughs) follow-up. Just be like, yes, that's what it is. Uh, And this is why basketball is my favorite sport. I I love the way they dribble up and down the court. How did they do it? Thanks for listening to this episode of Horse. Horse is hosted by Mike Schubert and Eric Silver. It is edited and mixed by Eric Silver. The social media is run by Mike Schubert. Theme song by Bettina Campomanes. Art by Allison Wickman. And the website is by Kelly Beckman. Special thanks to our producer-level patrons, Teal, Misha Stanton, Brianne Wingate, Burger, Skylar Jorgensen, Gladiator Vader, Adam Hartwick, Ross Papa, and Akano. Mike, do you know where you can go on the internet that definitely doesn't have an eyeless chicken costume? SpaceJam.com and our website. Oh, you can find us on. Wait, the- no, fuck SpaceJam.com. That's the one that just tries to show you DVDs. Exactly. Yeah, you remember. You can find us on the internet at horsehoops.com. You can find us on social media at horsehoops on Instagram and Facebook and horse underscore hoops because, as we say every single episode, it's because that guy at ESPN was racist. It's also because horse hoops was banned. It was banned. 
same reason. I mean, which where are these it's days? probably the same guy. If you want access to bonus content, you can go to patreon.com slash horse hoops, where we've got five on five instead of three on three. Overtime, where we talk about all sorts of basketball things. All of that is available at patreon.com slash horse hoops. I have a lot to talk about for this one. So this five on five is going to be chunky. Mm-hmm. It's very chunky. Mike, you know whose favorite sport is basketball and they love the way they dribble up and down the court? Curtis Blow. And also Multitude. Oh, nice. Multitude is an audio collective of people who love the things that they talk about that it doesn't mean that they can't be critical of the things they love. That is Horse, that is Join the Party, that is Potterless, that is Spirits, and that is Waystation. If you want to check out our shows or you want help making a show of your own, go on over to Multitude.Productions or at Multitude Shows. And as we round out every episode of Horse, we're going to put our hands in the center and say something on the count of three. I think it is only fitting since we talked about basketball to do the patented Curtis Blow, which he ends every verse in basketball with <laughs> on the count of three. One, One two, two, three. three. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to dunk on a seven-foot hoop. That's probably why the Kung Fu fighting is in there is he was like, because basketball is my favorite sport. <laughs> and then the guy was like, oh. Oh, that is. Oh. Being, a, being an immigrant from South Africa, I can relate. I invented Wu-Tang. God damn it. I'm so mad that he said that. It makes me want to go to Raekwon and the RZA and the Jizza and be like, hey, did you know this guy said that he preceded Wu-Tang and opened the door for you, and they'd be like, what the fuck? The ghost of ODB is already haunting him. Oh, don't you do it. Stop <laughs> it. Older. Stop it. Did you know that ODB stood for Old Dirty Basketball? <laughs> Originally, dribbling basketball. There it is. There it is. <laughs> oh, dang, basketball. Oh, oh dunk, oh, dunk oh, basketball. Oh, dunk. Oh, dunk basketball. <laughs>